0: everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, now on iTunes and Spotify. And by the way, we're starting to get a lot of traction. We, th- we thank everybody that's been listening. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment. Please give us a, a five-star rating if you like the show. So we really appreciate it. Uh, today we've got with us a special treat. We've got world-famous Zach Evanesh. Founder of Underground Strength Gym and creator of the Underground Strength Coach Certification. Welcome, sir.
1: What's up? Thanks for having me. World famous is...
0: uh (laughs) Hey, you got a website and podcast. You're world famous. Uh,
1: Automatically world
0: renowned when you're on Instagram. That's right. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. Uh, We've been wanting to have you on for a little bit um we've known you for a while you go way back with marty um so jack why don't you give us a little bit of background info on on who you are and kind of what got you into fitness
1: yep i, I also want to say jp i think i'm the first person who left a review on the uh apple podcast <laughs> well no you're not the
0: first but
1: uh i didn't see any other reviews when i left the review
0: yeah, we've got a bunch now. We've got all five-star reviews, so we, we really appreciate that. But I saw yours. Yours was awesome, man. We appreciate it.
1: Well, it's great. I, I said I've never heard Marty so excited, and it. then I started thinking about it, and I realized it's because he's not around people. So, like, if he's not around you, he's in a good mood. So Hey,
2: wait a minute. That's I'm right, right here. You know, you guys talk like I'm invisible.
1: Well, I listen, anytime I talk to Marty, I get fired up talking the gym I get fired up so I'll do a quick 30 second rundown so I started uh training with the kind of bodybuilding stuff in the late 80s and 89 and then I got into the strength and conditioning aspect around 2001 2002 and around that time started training some local kids out of my parents garage and backyard and then uh a year later went to uh the first house that we bought converted the garage, and then in 2007, opened up my first warehouse gym. And uh, I have two locations in New Jersey. And then in between that time, I, I've worked at um, some of the colleges, Lehigh and Rutgers, with the wrestling team. And uh, you know, I coach almost every day. So been training since '89. So got a lot of. I you know a lot of uh, cool stories, fun experiences, and Marty always tells me I was I was born in the wrong era because I'm never really I don't really talk about the guys of today. I'm always bringing up
0: Strength and Health magazine and stuff like that. Well, then you're at the right place because we're always uh, reminiscing as well.
1: I know. I love it. I love when you're not when you're off topic.
0: (laughs) Oh, just 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 wait two minutes. We'll get there.
1: great 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 stories i told marty um you guys were talking about uh ken uh fontana fantana so i googled to see if i could find photos of his gym the muscle Mm -hmm. factory i could not not find anything but here and there you actually find somebody sharing a story and somebody shared a story on um I don't know if they had written an article for Elite FTS, but basically the kid joined up Kenny's gym. And um, he goes to the, you know, Kenny's like, okay, you could join the gym. I guess you have to get permission. He pays He pays Kenny. They get, he gets to the gym. He's ready to squat. He's got a weight belt on, knee wraps, everything. And he gets under the bar, you know, got a plate on there, 135. And he said he feels... Something like pressing heavy against his back and he goes flying face first down and he rolls over. He's on his back and he sees Kenny there. Kenny starts cursing him up and down, telling him that he will never wear a belt or support gear until he says so. Like <laughs> kid said, he's emptied out all the money from his pocket, gave it to Kenny and said, OK, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah,
3: there you go. That's the way to do it. That's the right answer to uh, I
1: Ironically, I also found uh, when his, his name popped up, his son is on Twitter, and they had some photos from Marty's book, Purposeful Primitive. And then when you look at his son, I think his son is like a, a vegan movie reviewer. <laughs> so wow. I, I was like, what is this, you know? so far so far removed i was wondering if it was a joke but i i looked i was like this is his nah, son
2: no nah. uh, that's a mild kenny story uh all right i'll tell you one quick one uh mick mick golden who uh later was a uh consistent assistant coach for the uh united states team whenever we travel abroad uh the united states team we would take uh coaches a a squad of coaches and and for i guess for five years mick mick was the number one assistant coach for the u.s u.s team usa uh he started out in ken's gym and he on a particular day he was scheduled because kenny everybody who belonged to the gym you know you had a program you worked within the program and and, uh, mick was scheduled to hit 220 for reps in the bench press that day but you know He threw 245s on each side just made it 225. So Kenny came in and saw it. He said, hey, wait a minute. I thought it was supposed to be 220. He said, yeah, but Ken, you know, I don't want to dick around with the two and a halfs and all that. It's 225. What's the big deal? Kenny grabbed him by the hair, ripped him backwards, dragging him through the gym, threw him out the front door into the snow, (laughs) then went, got his gym bag and threw it over a bunch of trees OK, and said, don't come back until you call first. Oh. Boom. And then he locked the door. He was <laughs> like, Kenny, just let me get my street clothes, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. These stories. First, I wonder who was Kenny's mentor? Where did he get that mindset from?
2: Oh, these were. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they're everywhere. These uh, you got alpha males. Every section of the country, and yeah, I mean, he would uh, probably tell you Carlton Smithson, who was a nationally ranked 242 pounder back in the seventies, kind of the first wave of the power power giants. That would be who Kenny would point to, but at at Fantano's peak, he was uh, he was my height, so he's five nine, five ten, weighing a solid 360, extremely athletic. These guys used to have these monster wiffle ball games in the parking lot where they <laughs> knock the shit out of each other, knock each other. These are 300-pound guys. Oh, my God. And they'd cuss up a storm. All the neighbors, the, the kids would come. i say, like, Kenny, why are you cussing like this in front of the kids? He said, hey, it's not like they've never heard it before. Uh, it was a, a complete crazed scene. But the lifters that they turned out, he had less than 100 members. Right. But we had three 600 raw benchers and three 900 pound legal squatters. Boom.
1: What hey. was? Uh, what did he do outside of? Did he have a day job when he was?
2: Uh, well, after the gym, after the gym folded, he had oh. to go back into the you know into the public's private sector. But no, he was full time gym owner.
1: What, so, was, um, uh, what did he uh, do after? What do you mean private sector? of
2: What? I don't want to get away. You know, you know. Let's just. Let's just dwell on the peak years. Okay? Hey,
0: hey Zach, I always say you know it's a shame that it, it's a shame that we didn't have social media back in those those days. Can you imagine uh, the videos we would have and the, I, the images?
1: I, I I wish just to see some photos yeah. of that kind of place. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah. it's better that we didn't because yeah. I always say if I didn't have my online business, there would. It, I feel like, you know, I'm recording my training, recording all this training of the athletes, and it's because that's where parents are doing their research to see what you do and whatnot, but it legitimately takes away the purity of your workout, so I, you know, I look back to the first gym I trained at. I had told Marty about it, and uh, he told me, I told him about the squat cage that they built on um, car tires, and then they framed it out. And he said, "Oh, they they got that." I think Marty, you you said you wrote that article. It was that gym? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Mark did. Uh, yeah, when we were over he was, top, he was over top of the auto parts store, and he couldn't make any noise.
1: <laughs> ah, so this gym, the guy, the first gym I trained at was called Dynamic Fitness, and it was in Edison, New Jersey, and uh, Richie Gaspari trained there. Yeah, and um, he was the hard. Guy, Oh yeah, he was, and I, I, wasn't there when he won the first Arnold Classic, now called the Arnold's, you know, Sports Festival. But one of the guys that was two years older than me, who I knew from the wrestling team, he said that he was working at the gym, and when uh, Richie was preparing for the show, he heard him. He heard like the music in the uh, posing room. He said Richie practiced the posing routine. For like eight hours a day. He said the guy just did it over and over again. And the guy who owned the gym, he welded all the equipment. So if anything broke, he'd go in the back. He'd put up some sort of like a a curtain. And uh, he'd fix up the dumbbells. And they had dumbbells up to 180s. And that uh, squat cage that was near the back of the gym on the tire platform, there was maybe like five or six powerlifters in that gym. And I always say, you know, like, we didn't really admire them because there was one guy that was very strong, but it it was like he was just, like, short and fat. And then the other guys, like, were skinny. They didn't look like they could – they didn't look like they were athletic or that they can – you know, it was something to aspire to. So, unfortunately, you know, my early mentors, all those guys were just bodybuilders. And and when the 90s came around – As Marty knows from all the writing for the magazines, they just wrote about, like, pump up your muscles, squeeze and feel the muscles. There weren't a whole lot of bodybuilders telling you that you should deadlift and power clean. I mean, you just you didn't come across that stuff unless you were lucky to come across a gym that had guys like that. And, uh, you know, for me, the, the guys were strong, but it was just all based on appearance. It was all, you know for show and, and whatnot.
0: Weren't those the days, though? I mean, the 80s, 90s. I mean, you weren't a gym owner unless you owned, <laughs> unless you had a cutting torch in the back and an arc welder and some, uh, you know, some lengths of of tube steel and all that. I mean, we had to improvise. Everything is just so commercialized and accessible oh, nowadays. I, I,
1: miss, I miss those older gyms and the, the big... Problem was, what happened is once I feel like 94, 95 came around, all of a sudden, like fitness magazines came out. So you had Flex, you had Muscle and Fitness, you had that magazine that Jeff Everson had, and then maybe, you know, Muscle Media came around. But then it was like these fitness magazines, and it was like, this is for the guys that don't want to lift heavy. Have abs. Yeah, it was, it was just like abs. And I remember. Four, gym, a poor man, a core. Poor- core is it? Everything's core. Core. And I remember the gym owner, as soon as that like fitness stuff started coming into popularity, he closed down his second location and I had been at the other one. They were the same. They were brown pads and tan, you know, uh, frames. And the gyms, his gyms had, you know, the first half of the gym was benches and dumbbells. Then the second half of the gym was squat racks. Everything was those wide, those wide lip uh, Ivanko plates. So like you just always heard those weights rumble.
0: Yeah, wide dish. Love those.
1: What <clears throat> Those deep dish. And then when he shut down his one gym he came back and I remember the, they, all of a sudden it was like the taking over. It was like they removed the tape deck. No, no CD. So removed the tape deck. Like God forbid we played ACDC. Then then the uh, padding and the, and the equipment was refurbished. So it was like white framing and baby blue pads. And then, and then they started posting signs like no work boots allowed, no chalk beyond this point. And I still recall the gym just like in a matter of two or three weeks started becoming what was like a ghost town. There used to be guys everywhere like if they were doing like seated cable rows they were using the stack and they had a 45 pinned on both sides then it was like in a matter of like those three weeks all those guys disappeared and you just saw kind of like out of shape people showing up trying to just like go on a stairmaster. and i was like what the hell happened here and luckily um i found uh you know i knew of diamond jim which was r- run by John Kemper, who passed away a couple of years ago. But Diamond Gym was like the hardcore of the bodybuilding gyms. And, you know, John Kemper was kind of a golden era guy. And his equipment was all kind of that. I don't know if they still make it, but Flex, does Flex still make equipment? They made machines?
0: No, they got bought out by... Uh... Uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was. Somebody, Pre-co- right? so pre-core had, or somebody.
1: Pre-core, he had flex, he had York isometric racks, York dumbbells, the pull-up bars were all welded into the walls, and uh, that was where I started learning to train more of that power bodybuilding style, because I remember walking into that gym, and it was like, the the music was so loud, nobody could really hear one another and I remember it was an old bank so you walk in and it's like the main room then the back where maybe that was the vault was the leg room then another office was like where they had other leg equipment and it was just like offices filled with the gym equipment but I saw guys doing rack pulls off the York isometric rack for the first time and you know bodybuilders but It was very common to see guys incline benching 315 who maybe weighed 205. So the bodybuilders were strong, you know, dumbbell curling, hundreds. And John would actually hold like an old bodybuilding show at a local pool in an apartment complex. And uh, it would be a bodybuilding show. And then it was like a, a power curl contest. So I saw one guy competed and then he power curled 275. And it was just like, you know, a different, a different uh, breed of guys, a, a different style of training. But that to me was like the place that really changed my life because I learned more about environment and how the people around you are going to shape your training and your results. And then really after Diamond Gym, I trained there. Uh, I can't remember how many years I trained there for maybe eight years. Once I got into grad school and working full time, and it was thirty minutes away, I couldn't train at another gym. I had—that's when I started setting up in my dad's garage. I, I bought a weight set and a squat rack. I just couldn't go to a normal gym again. And after hearing you guys with your stories and the towel, uh, the towel, oh, coffee, the, the I, picnic
0: benches—it
1: <laughs> just I cannot go. To a normal gym and if I do I have been to some like right now I'm taking my daughter to tennis I I find a local gym and I was like man I can't believe the shit that's going on in this place while I'm trying to squat or trying to deadlift I mean it's just been well I I don't fit into this world when I'm in that situation I say to myself I just this, this world is I do not fit into this world
0: so so Zach, I mean you've been at it for some time. I mean you started uh lifting in what the eighties?
1: Eighty nine. Eighty nine uh, that's when I graduated.
0: In my, you little yeah, baby.
1: In my in my my brother's room had a weeder bench, I had the sand weights, and then that summer he worked I also worked. We we worked as busboys at a local like pub restaurant on Saturdays. He worked a little more but he saved up all his money and bought the Solo Flex.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. That was well, on listen, TV that, every five that minutes. Co-
1: that yeah, that commercial. You know, when you're 12 years old and that dude's 185 ripped, that stuff sells you. <laughs>
0: yeah, boys,
2: <laughs> kill me. But but this but this, but this molded kill. you and excuse shaped me. you okay, to eventually. Excuse me. Yeah. So, Go ahead, guys. Yeah, you. you're with me, Jimmy Steele. Are you still awake, Jimmy? I'm sorry,
3: I'm sorry. All right, there I'm he
2: right. is, Zach. I want to talk to you, man. I want to talk to you about long strength. I want to talk to you about sustained strength. Okay, yeah. that's why. That's what turned me on to you. Okay, uh, I got all the absolute strength guys. You know, that's my world. Yeah, uh, 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 explosive strength, the Olympic lifters. Uh, strong men, no tons of those guys. Sustained strength, strength, endurance. That's when I got onto you. The whole thing, the whole idea of let's create athletes, not. Uh, what a, uh, Jimmy, what did Boss Rutan call bodybuilders? Uh, big heavy punching bags?
1: Oh, no, like for,
2: uh, form without function? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you call it, Jack? Uh, uh, big useless muscles. What was I your? Ca-
1: what happens? I call those guys strong and useless. So you can, <laughs> you can lift. Maybe you could lift a lot of weight. Now, absolute strength is crucial for that strength endurance. But I've seen guys that could lift a lot, but then they can't make it through a practice. And of course, Jim, being at the college setting, he's probably seen that. Like these guys that they're always injured but they're not really hurt you know what I'm saying or they're always saying they're hurt but they're not really hurt that's yeah. what I kind of started seeing with some of these kids at the high school weight room that would maybe they'd get on the on the record board for the best squat this and that which look I do all that stuff but they were just kind of fat you know they they could they had a big one rep max
2: but it stopped there and then Somewhere around those early. All right, all right, all right. We get. But Zach, Zach, get
1: Zach. To the Zach, here. Zach,
2: <laughs> Zach. We get that. <laughs> yeah. Big strong guys who can't walk up three flights of stairs. Yep. Let's let's move past that.
3: Zach, okay? do you think your wrestling background? sort of affected your philosophy on that, where you do the basic lifts, but then you do the farmer's carries and the tire flips and the sled pulls and all that. So you're combining sort of what we talked about with the absolute athletic strength, maximum strength. You have to
1: combine them all. That's the thing. Exactly. I'll tell you you who also, where where it really started hitting me, was early 2000s, Coach Ethan Reeve, who used to be at Wake Forest, who was a college wrestling coach and an All-American, he would post all of the workouts for the football guys. Now, I know some people were like, well, he wasn't evolving, but he was doing some crazy shit with them. Like Sometimes he would do uh, 50 sets of one rep of power clean, like one rep every minute on the minute. Mm. And then when the guys were done, they'd go out onto the field and push that wooden sled across the field. And basically what I saw was that when, you st- when I was trying to follow the rules, because those early 2000s, the you know, functional training was out. And it was like, I just found that e- the, the mental side is what really uh, brought me towards that sustained strength. Is that I started seeing that when you train guys kind of breaking these so-called rules and doing high volume of sets, a lot of couplets that they're also they're not just getting strong and athletic and explosive but they're getting tough and I had a big admiration for guys that just were like unbreakable whether it was football wrestling or those combative type sports and of course my own mistakes in training I used to train so much seven days a week bodybuilding and I remember gassing out in the second period of a wrestling match and just not really knowing why that stuff was happening. So it was kind of my, my own failed experiences.
3: Yeah. Yeah, It's,
1: it's my experiences that shaped it. And I still evolve to this day. Uh, You know, the training evolves and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what's kind of, you've seen it, Jim, working in the, in the uh, university setting, but through the past 10 years, like the kids showing up are just not just physically weaker, but much more mentally, Less, less mentally resilient. They're just not tough.
3: What are their challenges? What are their challenges daily? (laughs) I mean, think about it. Yeah. Well, they get me to work, or I can't get the PlayStation to work.
1: Come on. Yeah, and, and they they don't do. You know, kids nowadays are not doing the basics. They're not loving calisthenics. They're not doing these things that we cut our teeth on. I mean, you know, we we grew up. What do you do? You, you play manhunt. You race your friends. You're always kind of in training. We get varsity football players who can't do push-ups. So the first thing we do is build that strength base, the foundation. And then when that starts coming together, then I start doing a lot of couplets. So, for example, once somebody has like a level of fitness where I'm not – where training at a faster pace is not going to uh, destroy their training technique – that's when I start doing couplets. So you guys okay, saw... Time, time out,
2: time yeah. out, time, time out. Cup lifts, what?
1: Super Cup sets, lift. whatever you want to call them.
3: Super, Super sets. Sets, okay. So you do exercises. like a, a basic lift with uh, an endurance, strength uh, endurance?
1: It could be a basic lift with a jump. It could be a basic okay. lift with a short distance sprint. It right. could be an upper body push with a pull. Um, you know, yes. for example, let's say we're doing... A lower body day. After I warm up the athletes, and you guys saw how I I run a warm up. It's like movement and jumping and calisthenics and walking on your hands. It's a lot of almost like modified gymnastics work, which is excellent for muscular endurance, power, strength, endurance. I'm I'm attacking it just through the warm up. Then we'll get into our explosive combined with a heavy movement. So if it's leg day let's say they're squatting and they're doing like a five by five, they might jump for five. They might do hurdle jumps. They might do box jumps. They might do broad jumps, small hurdle jumps. I might even have them do like two big hurdle jumps followed by like a 50 foot sprint. So we're combining strength with power, or if it's upper body push with pull. And I just found that, you know, that's, if you look at it, that's very similar to the you know, late 60s, early 70s bodybuilding. The guys were doing a lot of supersets and they were in shape.
0: Zach, are you, are you doing a lot of things grouped in two? Sounds like.
1: It, a lot of the time, yes. And then at the end of the workout, the thing that I'm pretty uh, adamant on is we're always doing some sort of a carry, whether it's kettlebells, kegs, sandbags, those heavy sandballs up to 150 pounds. We combine it like a carry, sled, and then it might be arms, it might be back extensions, it might be rope climbs, push-ups. It, it, the, see, I train, you know, middle school athletes who might weigh 75 pounds up to, you know, college athletes who play football who might weigh close to 300 pounds. So that finisher, you know, the sleds and the carries is like a note. I always tell people, I go, if you're training athletes, you need carries, calisthenics, sleds, like that's the foundation and then Is, I'll pick something on their weak areas. You know that that's Jim, where those finishers are in.
2: Jim, yeah, you got twenty plus years experience in that. What do you think?
3: Uh, I think the athleticism, or the lack thereof, the athleticism of kids coming out of high school has sort of made that type of training essential. So, for instance, now I don't, I I didn't do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of the strongman stuff, but what I did a lot of. Was the kickboxing? Where you know you got an offensive lineman who's six five, three hundred, and right away you can tell that he's only done one thing his whole life: go straight ahead, right? And so you got to get him moving to the side. Right. You got to get him. You got to get. You know, why, coach? Why am I backpedaling? I'm like awareness of where your body is while you're moving, right? To you know, you do all those things, and straight. then you find those. So I used to do finishers, you know, and our finishers will be farmers walks or sled pushes or whatever. You know that stuff, Brit, and we did we did broad jumps between sets of cleans and box jumps and all that. But all that stuff bridges the gap between that true strength and that absolute strength, the linear, straight up and down stuff, and what they have to do on the field. Yeah,
0: and you know the st- the stuff that uh, the exercises and, and movements that Zach um, just described. That- we did a lot of that kind of stuff in the backyard after school. That's right. So now That's the right. now the kids are, you know, we climbed things and lifted things and built things because there was nothing to do inside, basically. We didn't right. have computers or anything. So I think we're trying to basically bring the, the kids back to where we were initially just from doing, you know, normal play outside after school if, uh, and then build on, them from there. On the, uh, you
1: know, thanks to the Internet now, On YouTube, there's a uh, video from 1970s Polish weightlifting, and if you look at there, it's like the first and second part. These guys, when they're warming up, they look like a hybrid of wrestlers and gymnasts, and uh, they take them outside, and they're sprinting up hills. There's a bunch of tree logs that were cut that they're throwing. They're training for power and athleticism, and so that, and I've also come across some of the older... um, training videos of the Russians and now, you know, the Americans are now really becoming the dominant um, force in wrestling but it's because they finally learned how to train the right way and um, it's really, so I'm never looking at just strength endurance because I'm training athletes I'm looking at your ability your just overall athleticism I don't get too carried away and say just, you know of course when I'm training wrestlers I might do something that I'm going to say, guys, we're doing this finisher for seven minutes because then they buy into it because they're like, oh, that's specific to what we're doing. Or I'll have them, uh, you guys saw when we were uh, training the tier one guys, I had them throwing those heavy medicine balls in different directions. And so they're, they're doing a clean and throw. They're doing shouldering. They're doing like a rotational lift and load onto a high plyo box. And so I'm just hitting the body from a lot. I'm, you know, as as uh, non-scientific as it sounds, I'm just trying to build like badasses physically and mentally. Is you know?
0: is the way that you train the middle schoolers quite a bit different from like a high schooler or a college person? Or oh yeah, is it just less? It's the same kind of stuff but less.
1: The middle school kids are just. <coughs> Even the high school kids. So basically, middle school kids are very rarely touching a barbell with me unless they've been with me. What's
3: that? I just heard somebody go ooh. Go ahead.
1: Maybe that was Marty. Marty, Marty, you okay?
0: Yeah, man. This
3: All is, right. a, yeah.
1: So the middle school kids, they're they're just so they're just so weak that they're not ready to touch a barbell unless they've been Push trained up. with me. They're doing a lot of calisthenics, a lot of carries, kettlebells, sleds, a lot of band work to get their shoulders and arms ready, lunges, even short-distance sprinting. Um, And then, let's say I've had a kid with me who started in 6th, maybe early 7th grade. When they get to mid or late 8th grade, we could start introducing them to some light squats, to some light trap bar deadlifting.
3: It's so wrong that you have to introduce it then. It's so funny, Right. Man. Well, listen. Like kids, you know, kids, let me. be like,
1: amazed. Like, what, High what school
3: kids can't even. There's a lot wrong. They, no, they but I'm saying, what is wrong with everybody starts their day off out in the freaking right. schoolyard with the principal or the or the phys ed teacher leading you through ten minutes of calisthenics. The research is 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 there that says a kid who uh, exercises first or the kid who exercises every day it does better in school so what you know and then you got to teach them how to squat down when they get yeah, it which,
1: which is essentially like teaching a kid how to sit on the toilet right it's You're just,
3: crazy man it's stupid
1: it, it is so even you know what they don't know how to do is you know we knew how to curl dumbbells and barbells probably in third grade that was just what you did
2: well it's you, not too crazy
1: well, if you had third, an old,
2: third grade, you were curling dumbbells, Marty, if you had an
1: older brother, <laughs> you had an older brother, three, four years older than you who had I'm weights.
2: Older brother brother.
1: All and, right, well, there you go. So but, my older brother had weights and I remember just sneaking down there in his room to curl it age eight, age nine, trying to figure it out. Kids in high school if they grab a bar to curl it they're grabbing like ultra wide they don't even
2: understand see this is you know this is you know as a former Mr. Junior Israel yep okay the first thing you think <laughs> of the first thing you think of is curl you know the first that's thing I, the first think I think of I think is of. squat. Yes, it is. I mean, you just said curl, you know. No, I I, I said curl. Back when I was 8 I, years old, I, uh, you know, we I'm we talking were, about what kids I felt know. compelled.
3: Is this one of those tangents that do you like Zach or no? No, nah, no. Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> just makes it impossible to actually say what But but you
3: power.
1: know, <laughs> that's right. Bro. You know, the
0: you guys are right though. I mean, they've taken a lot of this out of the schools like Jim was saying. You start out in the morning with some calisthenics or something. You know, all the research is there that the kids actually, you know, f- kind of freeze up their brain it's a little bit and coming, stuff. It's
1: but never coming
0: back. It's I mean, never you know, coming back. And you know why? In, uh, you, you're, in,
1: you're in California, JP. And yeah. I learned 20 years ago that the, the, uh, most of the classroom teachers were teaching phys ed. So they didn't really have, like, much of a state phys ed program. In right. New Jersey, about 10 but, years ago, phys ed at the elementary schools went from three days a week to twice a week, and um, this year I yeah. went back to teaching. And they don't
3: ed. They, oh, they well, get uh, the balloon and they throw it up in the you know the, the parachute, and they uh, run let underneath it. Come on, man, give every, me a
0: But but you know what it is day. though. Everything has turned towards like out here. I'm in California. Everything is um, you know a race to become a distinguished California school, and which right, is right.
1: great. There's a lot
0: of which great, but, but a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on the schools with academics. Exactly. But here's what I did. Th- what I did this year, going back to phys ed, is every day we
1: did squat jumps, push ups, lunges, and then we were outside almost year round. And if we, when we would go outside, I had the field was right in the back, probably about 150 feet each way. We would always do a sprint race to the end, race coming yeah. back, All and right. then anything I did was. I basically like expanded the field of play to force everybody to run. So if it was soccer, it wasn't like a little field. I made a monster field so that you were just constantly running and sprinting and chasing. And same thing if it was football, uh, basketball, anything was just like lots of running. But also, there's so much fear of li- you know liability, and I even experienced this as a strength coach, is that, you know, administration doesn't like a guy like me. They don't want a guy like me because now we're going to do things that the kids are going to be challenged. And those kids might go home and say, hey, it's hard or I'm sore. And then, you know, soreness is mistaken for a uh, injured lower back and whatnot. So guys like us are oftentimes um, kind of uh, outcasted.
0: What is your absolute uh, favorite um, form of training, is it, and, and, and also to teach your students, is it uh, sustained strength, is it, you, you're, because you're mostly sustained strength, right, about that, you know, athletic you know, it, type of it training. All,
1: it's good, it, the, there's kind of like this general framework, like I said, where I do a lot of couplets with the athletes, where. We're doing a lot of two exercises back to back, but what I've learned is, or just not learned, but seen through the past eight to 10 years is these, these kids just don't have the muscle. So now we're actually doing body building work because they don't have the muscle and just putting the muscle on these kids is what's getting them stronger. And, uh, you know, when I went to the, when I was at Lehigh and then at Rutgers, You would assume, hey, this is Division One top 10 wrestling teams. These guys are going to learn. They know how to deadlift. A lot of guys could not do a a sumo deadlift without keeping their back flat. And it's because they just weren't strong. They needed a foundation of strength.
2: It's got to be all three. It's not.
1: Yep. It can't be one.
2: It's got to be all of them. And it's got to be relatively equal. Obviously... If you're sport specific, you've got to skew toward whatever you know, uh, which, which whichever direction it needs to be be pointed. But obviously, you've got to pay homage to all three.
1: Yeah, and and if they and you know what, when they start saying things like, "Hey, how do I get my feet faster for wrestling or for this?" I go, "Dude, drill faster. You want to get faster with basketball, don't blame don't blame the strength coach." Go out there and run up and down that court and hit layups. And if you need to get better at wrestling, you're going to have to wrestle. It's not just going to be about getting you stronger. And sometimes that's what happens with the athletes is they don't want to do all of that stuff. And so it's many pieces of the puzzle if they want to become, you know, if they want to become better at their sport, it's going to take a lot more than just the – training in the weight room aspect
0: are you guys doing much with calisthenics at your gym because you know calisthenics has been calisthenics has been pretty big since i don't know really i guess it really started coming up about 2010 you know uh we used to do trade shows um with crosscore and you know, we would have these guys called the Barholics in and it was a group of kids and they would put on a, a show like you never saw with calisthenics. And I mean we would literally have half the trade show at our booth watching these kids and they were phenomenal and strong and muscle ups like, you know, right. just with without any uh effort. So you guys doing quite a bit of that over there are you starting to see that kind it's- of Uh, it's
1: pretty common for us to do if you're like a lighter guy like under under 175 pounds you'll probably do six rope climbs a workout you'll do two during like the end of the warm-up you'll do two in the middle you'll do two again near the end a lot of rope climbs tons of push-ups and then we take those you know uh, basic exercises, and as they get stronger we do different so we might do them for speed so plyo push-ups or crossover push-ups on the medicine ball or uh, or we might do weighted push-ups where we've had kids work up to, you know, 100 plus pounds of chains all around the body. So I look at what they basically suck at and that's what I try to get them better at. But the younger kids, the middle school kids, it's a lot of just repetition work because that's what's going to build up tendons, ligaments, put muscle on their body. Um, and let's say it's a kid who's been with me for a while and we're doing – Three sets of push-ups, I'll say do one set explosive. So you could do five clapping push-ups, you could do 10 med ball crossover push-ups, then do another one uh, with weight. Go ahead and, um, you know, or it could be like band resisted. Put a band around your back, band resisted for strength. And then your third one, go max reps, you know, put your, just put your hands on the floor, maybe ring push-ups and I'll mix it up. I just found that the athletes, when they get, more experienced with training they like the variety they like the variety from the different the different uh, not just the different exercises but different modalities of the same exercise
0: yeah well calisthenics is great for kids obviously because you, you're not uh, especially if it's a younger kid but uh, just to master their own body weight which is something that the like we talked about a lot of these kids don't have now they can't do push ups and things so, so to build that back uh, but calisthenics, calisthenics is certainly not something I'm going to be doing, or you know, heavier guys are going to be doing. You know, it's just uh, it's we not have our thing, heavy
1: guys.
3: Listen, I'll tell you what. Yeah, what, but you, uh, uh, JP's old, man. You know,
0: I'm <laughs> well, so I'm younger I, than you.
1: You sure are,
0: Jim Steele.
1: Uh, my so workout oh. Ye- yesterday. My own workout was six sets of you know different pull-ups and dips. And then I worked up to uh, heavy singles on the trap bar. But I remember when I had my first location, we had some uh, D3 college football players training with us. And this one guy was like 275, 280. And he would do anything the light guys would do. Handstand push-ups, rope climb. And I remember him saying, he's like, hey, man, strong is strong. (laughs) Because some guys would say, well, he's heavy, so he should lift heavy. Or he's light, so he should be good at calisthenics. And this dude was like, dude, strong is strong. And you know what's funny, Jimmy, is he had a, I don't know if it was his dad, but somebody got him involved with boxing. So when he would jump rope, I mean, he was 275, 280. I mean, he was doing crossover. I mean, he looked like an animal. And um, I think that's where he probably had that foundation, probably was doing a lot of those calisthenics and jumping rope at at boxing. And speaking of jumping rope, I mean, we get – sophomores in high school who can't jump rope and sometimes i'm like holy hell i I'd, I'd say holy and i'm kind of embarrassed because as a physical education teacher i'm like why is the phys ed teacher not you know doing this with the kids i mean it they it makes us look bad that it's like a, a lazy profession you know in what many forms um...
3: Just changing it just a little bit. But you know what I liked what you did with the special forces guys was that you gave them sets and reps and all this. Nothing was to failure. But right. it was a lot of different like you had them do those chin ups and they did a wider grip, a medium grip or the regular grip and then a narrower yeah, grip.
1: But they grips. and
3: they were like, How many sets? And you were just like, just two, just two. And they were pretty spent after those two, but it wasn't where they couldn't do something else, or was not where they, they couldn't keep going, you know what I mean right,
1: it's like what you're what I always think about with the training of an athlete or somebody who has to perform so military law enforcement, Some. it's like okay, if the training interferes with their with what their main thing is then you're doing it wrong or they're just whoa, so whoa, out whoa,
2: of shape. whoa, 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 time out, what does that yep.
1: mean it means, let's say, I destroyed the college wrestlers with deadlifts and just grinding them out, and then they can't even practice that day or the next two days. That means you killed them. So you're always leaving a little bit in the tank for kind of like two reasons. Number one, they don't have the same mentality as guys like us. They're not like, yes, I, I'm, I grinded those deadlifts. I'm getting stronger. So what? My back is sore. They would have the mentality of, Oh my god, my back is destroyed. I can't. They don't think like us. So you can't give them the full full-blown dose of what we do. And so there's a big psychological component to all of this.
2: Okay, um, well that, that is exactly what we try to overcome when we're working with the military.
1: That's right. We must. We must because we can't have weak-minded men on the on the front lines, but at the college level, listen, I mean I remember when the coaches said to me, "He goes, Zach. If I said to these guys what I was really feeling, I would get sued." I go, "Really?" He's like, "Really." Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> that
2: ain't foolish uh, training camp, nineteen
1: seventy. Right, Martin. You, you'd your job would last about thirty seconds. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Let's.
0: Ah, um, Jimmy. Here's a. Uh, here's something exciting we can talk about. Let's talk about training tools. So, we all have our favorite training I'm I'm tools. Excited. I'm excited. Okay. Right. Now, now, Mar- now, I know for a fact Marty is fine <laughs> with a 1965 York Olympic bar and a chrome bench press with one, one inch by one inch tubing with half inch of padding on it. He's, and he's <laughs> told me time and time again, everything's overbuilt. You don't need all that stuff, which... To a large it degree, is. he's he's right.
2: Do you, do you really need a bench that weighs a hundred pounds and requires wheels? And when a, a woman wants to move it, she needs to get assistance. Do you really need that? that
0: case, you, did you really don't. You really don't. But that's look. That's the industry. That's what people and think so they rings, want. Is it's is its, it's, the co- it's so aesthetics? In
1: the colleges to see who could build the biggest. Most beautiful facility, and then it's a great recruiting tool. That's yeah, the truth mart—it's hey, a hey, recruiting tool.
0: We got we got power racks now with four by four steel, seven gauge. Um, you know, you could you could actually put a car on top of it, but you know, that's what, yeah, that's, that's what people know, want. It's that's,
1: that's gonna last your so, grandkids, grandkids.
0: So, what kind of training tools we Never like? Break. What kind of training tools? So, Zach, you've got two gyms. You're doing a lot of sustained strength. Tell us about some of the tools you guys are into. I know one of them's a a hex bar. You love the hex bar.
1: Yep. So uh, uh, trap bars. We've got, of course, straight bars, thick bars. I'll use the safety bar a lot too, just because of you. You know, the wrestlers, the baseball players, their shoulders are all screwed up. I mean, my shoulders pretty screwed up. I'll use. I mean, I don't need kettlebells, although I like them. Dumbbells, I love. Sleds, of course. Sandbags or those heavy sand sandballs, balls, those uh, whatever they call them the d balls
0: yeah slam balls um,
1: a lot of band work to do a lot of high rep work for shoulders and arms and things of that nature, but i always I always say like you know i 'm also could be very minimalist, but i don 't say um, my philosophy doesn 't have to be like how do I say this just because i could do it doesn't mean the kids could do it meaning let you know I've had this conversation with Marty where if Marty was like Zach all right we're going to build your squat to this number and for these next 12 weeks you're going to squat with a straight bar. well you know when you're training athletes two weeks later like coach I did this last week I'm like yeah but if you play basketball you shoot foul shots every day you don't tell the coach hey I did this last week but they just get bored of those things and so you have to give them a little bit of what they want and what they need. And that's why I use kettlebells, dumbbells, sleds, sandbags, different kinds of barbells. Um, And yeah,
2: you've been dealing with this your whole life, right?
1: Yeah. We, we say like, I I mean, we could build badasses from a garage with nothing but a barbell. We can, you know, that's it. But you know, that's, you know, uh, that's the, these uh, universities are building 10 plus million dollar weight rooms.
3: Yeah. The good thing is when I was building that one weight room at Penn, I got the power racks in there and then they, then I let them do whatever they want with the yeah. machines. Thanks for
0: calling weight. me on that, by the way.
3: Okay. I didn't know you existed.
1: Okay. <laughs> I love that weight room.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's It's nice. Right? But, you know, Bastard. then then you just had to do the other the other little stuff in order to get the good stuff in there. I mean, I, I like a lot of different implements, but you know, basic the basic barbell and dumbbell. I don't know, like Bill Starr said, they how did they they got rid of the kettlebell for the dumbbell, you know? They wanted they wanted something more efficient hey, hey, than the kettlebell. Hey, Jim, by
0: the way, uh, you know, since you were head coach over at University of Penn, how much was it was the equipment purchases were they 100% based on your recommendations—I guess they'd have to be, right? Who else was going to make that decision?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so you I pretty
0: much he, just selected.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had to explain to the administration that women used free weights also. Yeah. Uh, because they said, "Why would you get all those power racks when they only lift on machines?" And I said, "The uh, little camp yeah, boats." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in mean, the seventies. Yeah, and so, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, but uh, you know, I let them pick. You know, I know I had to go with Life Fitness for some stuff, and it was okay. But the power racks are, you know, indestructible, man. And I got great I got great barbells and, and plates, and that's that's the yeah. essence of everything. And that's I mean, I got the core, and yeah. Like I like chains. I'm not real big on the bands, but I like chains on the squat and bench. But that's really, you know, pretty
1: simple. You know what's um, interesting? Marty, you still there, buddy? Yeah, man. Um, so, Marty, I was thinking about this. And, of course, it made me think about you. So look back to those um, late 60s when they were doing articles in Strength and Health based on uh, Bill Peanuts West. And you think back to, like, okay, that was like an eccentric group of powerlifters. And he was like, okay, squat to a box, different kind of squats. And so, you know, athletes have that same eccentric mindset. They kind of thrive on all the variability and they get it keeps them excited to train. So you have to um, find a way to keep them excited, and oh, maybe uh,
2: it's so sad.
1: It, yeah, well, they they have to be.
2: Um, I'm sorry. Can I can I talk a little bit?
1: Yeah, I would love to it's hear very, your voice. Okay.
2: very very <laughs> sad. It's so sad that they have to be entertained. Yes, you know. I mean, it's like I know. What can we do? Maybe I don't know. Uh, we we can cater to their whims and their needs, you know, maybe we could have sandwiches brought in. I don't know. Uh, To me, it's like, you know, either you man up or you get out. It's real simple. Uh, We don't we don't coddle that kind of thinking. I mean, I mean, I understand. And maybe that's why some people consider me a breath of fresh air When I'm brought into a situation And I say you know we're just going to go back To ultra basics I don't know anything else So let's Just go back To the bare minimum And if if you Folks need some bands and some Chains and I don't know, maybe Some you know uh, Whatever plyometrics whatever Else you need all we're going to do Is provide you With the Core fundamental strength and essentially four to maybe five movements: uh, Jimmy squat, bench, dead, uh, overhead press, power clean. Right. right past that, do we need anything? Maybe a little arm work. I don't know. Right.
1: Yes, but have you? So you see? Uh, uh,
2: excuse me, I'm not quite done.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> now I I, I I I don't really know your world, Zach. And I don't really know the world of all these variables. I'm just talking about my little world. Right. My little world, all we do is get them cocked strong in about four or five movements. And then Jesus once said, love and then go live your life. And so we say, get cocked strong in these four or five movements and then go do that other, all that other bullshit. That could be a to situation. your heart's you content to, to your strong. heart's content and just excuse me i'm not quite done yet <laughs> just give me can you give me 1 hour a week give me 1 hour a week maybe 90 minutes if you're really really strong and we'll make you 20-30% stronger and then go about the rest of your damn life okay and if you want to do all that other stuff do it but just give me one to... 60 to 90 minutes a
3: week. Right, Jim? For lifting, no question. For lifting.
2: Yeah, that's all. Yeah. And then go about the rest of your shit.
3: Right? Well, I think you can do, you know, sort of like, well, well, Zach doesn't, what I was doing was where you can, yeah, get those basics, get those done, know that that is the core of every program.
2: But we're not going to compromise on those.
3: No,
1: no. I are not going to yeah. try to
3: water them down or make them
2: easier because they're difficult. And I'm bored with this coach. I think they I really don't like this. This is hurtful. no 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 not
1: not I'm I'm also saying, Marty, think back to Bill Peanuts West with how he was trying to just Well you know what I gotta be honest I today.
2: think I think the Bill Peanuts West was a bunch of bullshit. Okay. I gotta be honest with you. None of that shit has made it through to this day. They were bouncing, they were putting they were, okay, here's here's one typical assistance exercise. You remember the, you know, when you go up to somebody's door, there's a, a welcome mat? Right. Right, you go up to the doorbell, you push the doorbell, you look down, welcome. They take three to five welcome mats, put it on their chest, and then <laughs> bounce a barbell <laughs> off huh? their chest with 200 pounds more than they were capable of. Right, what I'm and not saying what, is... None of them could squat, none of them could bench you uh, know, I don't mean to, anyway, I'm not, there's a certain What I'm just saying
1: is that's the personality you're dealing with. Well, and, I, uh, I, and no, the,
2: that's the personality you're dealing with.
1: Well, Mar- Martin, I'm here's not gonna dealing be, with it. Right, here's what's going to be interesting is if we I don't know when's the last time you've been down to see the boys, but their, you know, new weight room and all that, but If you see companies posting any weight rooms in the military facilities, now you see them looking like what Jim has. Even more more done up than that. So even
2: though... It has nothing to do with them. That's, that's man. That's management.
1: There you go. That's administration. So that
2: should go. Okay. So going. let's not let's not compromise. are <laughs> kind of uh, I'm not, water I'm here not. I'm com- not. I'm You're not like, telling, you're like telling me that 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 the boys are saying, "Hey, we want that fancy Dan stuff." I and didn't I'm, say that. That's why they invite that. us down. I'm,
1: I'm I'm telling you what's what's happening. <laughs> in... Oh,
2: I see. I see the facility. They walk. They gave me the walk through the facility. Did they right. give you the walk through? Were you there? I don't think you were. Uh, they walked. us through.
1: They, they, didn't they, want came,
2: to they came from from one of your good friends. Sure. Won that contract. Fantastic! Sure. It looks great. Yes. What's your point?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, my point is what I'm saying is that's that, that's the shit that's happening. But yeah. even though we're we're we are what I'm saying to you, Marty. Don't get it. Don't don't twist the words, my friend. Is that we? I'm know, not twisting
2: like, words. I don't like twist I words. I listen and respond
1: okay Go ahead. so what what did I say earlier if you give me a barbell and nothing else not a squat rag nothing else i will I will build a badass now is that person on the receiving end willing to do that kind of work that's you know that's that's those numbers are far and few between. Right. Probably not if you're the running truth.
3: a business like you are. Like, <clears throat> probably not. Even you when
1: have, you're, even like, when you're not, even when you're not running a business. I mean, I'm pretty amazed at how I we may have had this conversation when we were together last time. Is that sometimes we'll see policemen out of their cars, and I'm yeah. like, damn, how is that guy? Or sometimes you can't even give the training away to these guys, and you're thinking, and you you see the danger out there. I remember uh, two summers ago, in my town, like some dude went nuts on the beach and basically went through something like six, seven cops. And it's like, okay, if you guys had a little wrestling background and you were fucking strong, then we wouldn't have this issue. And what I'm saying That's
0: is, what
2: tasers are
0: for.
1: Well, they, they were they were unable to stop this guy. Well, that's what I always thought.
0: You know, it, it, once upon a time, back in the day, you know, I, I wanted to be a cop and I started doing ride-alongs and stuff. And I thought, you know, and I was lifting heavy and all that. And I thought, man, you know, this is something lifting and staying in shape is something I'm really going to have to do throughout Absolutely. my career. And it, it could save your life one day uh, more than once.
1: That's right. Um,
0: but... You want to get a general consensus of the shape of America, go to, go to a carnival one time or go to a fair or something and look oh, yeah, around.
1: Or, the, or, the, or boardwalk. the boardwalk. Or the
0: boardwalk. Yeah. Marty, and...
1: You and, <laughs> we said something years ago. Marty and I had a phone call. And Marty, this is what uh, you said to me. You're like, Zach, you and I are going to make hard work the new fad. <laughs> and I was like, it's just like I remember. It really, I was like, yes. And also, you know, something I always say is, I go, the basics will never let you down. You want to do even with running, right? Like with sprinting. Yes. I just don't sprint, teach man. these guys. That's right. I don't teach these guys all this technique. You know what we do? We go to the park across the street and we race. And I go, yeah. guys, I'm not going to teach you where your foot and arms go. Exactly. But you need to. you know, to- why they revert back to when they were
3: five and had to run.
1: Yes, we're going to race, and, and we're just going to basically do a max effort yes. run, and, and that's it. It's as and, simple and, as that.
3: And that's why
2: sprinting is the perfect complement to progress. Let, let me
1: share this. Let me
3: share this story. I hope Marty doesn't mind, but mm-hmm. um, we talked about being able to do things in life, and yes. you know, Marty been lifting and everything. But then the dog took off out the yes. door. Okay. I
1: remember, I remember. arguing to
3: the sprint after, and he's like, I haven't fucking sprinted, I freaking sprinted, I'm not ready to do this yet, so then he gets to the hills and does the fire trails and gets back to sprinting, because that's I a function of, you relearn it, it right? I lost it, lose it, or you, uh, use it, or use lose, it, or lose it. it, no doubt, Yeah. no
1: doubt, and, it's, and um, it's
3: just like, you know, well, we know when we're around, you know, those special forces guys, the awareness Of everything around them is a lot more than I can ever imagine. Situational
2: awareness. Yes,
3: yes. And and you know and then they have the ability to act on it.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
3: (laughs) in that type of shape. And
2: and again, the type of athleticism they need is like we need to be able to run from one boulder to a wall. Yeah. And it's twenty three yards away and I gotta get there before I get shot. And I got 150 50 yeah. pounds on my back. Yeah, yeah. and I got 80 pounds, carrying 80 pounds of gear, and I got to move. And if somebody gets shot and they're laying in the ground, I got to grab them with one hand, return okay. the with the other, and pull his <laughs> ass. In. That's one of the reasons that uh, Mr. H was so uh, emphatic about getting us down to work with the Tier 1 boys on a regularly recurring basis. Because he said... I, these guys do not have the strength if I got hit because when I'm geared out I'm weighing 300 plus pounds they couldn't drag me out of the middle of the field
1: and that's why a lot of that because they
2: couldn't sled- deadlift because half of them couldn't deadlift 400
1: if you like with those guys doing basic barbell lifts yep throw, throw in some sprints carries and sleds and yep. boom yeah. I mean that's for anybody really and, but yeah. I'm going to tell you There why. you
2: go. There you go. There you I'm go. I'm telling
1: you. I'm telling you what. You know why a lot of people don't like that stuff, and why like, and not to be. And this is why I have kind of multiple things with the business is because I know you can't run a business because mo- like that because most people can't. They're not in I, love I, with that kind of work.
2: I believe that. I'm not <laughs> talking about running a business. Yeah. I'm talking about right. religion purity. Yeah.
1: Look, I do it. Every, I have kettle. I've got. I keep Kettlebell in my garage, and if I just want to do something that's hard, I walk them. And when I put them down, push-ups. Walk them, put them down, push-ups. Then yeah, we ought a few,
2: few throw in a few goblet squats there, buddy.
1: A few sprints up and down the street, and yeah. um, it's it's really. I don't think we're ever gonna. You know, there's gonna be these little cells of guys like us that are just kind of the diehards with. Hey, well, you know, it's, this
3: know is what, what it is. <clears throat> with the admin of CrossFit, but there are some hardcore gyms out there, and and they're coming along. Like the MetroFlex franchise, right? I've been to a couple of those gyms; they're fantastic.
1: Yes, and yes. We yes.
3: Just, you walk in, and you're just like, hell yeah, let's train, right? You know
1: it. You know it's a place of work.
3: Yeah, I mean, I got the gym I go to in Jersey has a whole separate thing with platforms and you can deadlift and clean and rubber plates, and it's just a, a regular gym. So the stuff is, is is coming along you know you just there's always going to be the masses and there's always going to be the ones that want to strive for excellence
2: well, again it's it's it's, it's, it's the, the classical he, hegelian dialectic thesis antithesis synthesis and it repeats and i believe that we are the antithesis to the thesis uh, right. Which which currently is complexity. Right. The thesis right. is complexity. The antithesis yes. is simplicity. Yes. All right. And I I think that that's what and the elite get us. <coughs>
3: sure. They always get us
1: because they're focused on results. Well, you know it's <laughs> funny.
3: You know, like you go into these bookstores and and you see this uh, special forces tier one workout and oh, all that. They don't do any of that stuff. Fuck. They want to get strong. You know, Get strong guys. and then go on with the rest of their deal. Well, know, you know what? Um, they're dead left our, in 500 pounds, man. And these Our buddy, are fighting. Uh,
1: they're fighting. My buddy John, John Wellborn said this, Jim. He goes, put Navy SEAL on any product and it'll sell a lot. And he goes, that's the problem. He's like, people yeah. are. That's um, exactly
2: why we don't put that on anything we do.
1: Right. People are very... Uh, I don't know what the word is, but they're them, so them, like...
2: Them that do,
0: don't.
1: Yeah. So, what other questions you got,
0: Marty? Well, <laughs> j- just real quick, I got a couple more things, Zach. Um, what,
1: what about Marty? Does he have questions? <laughs>
0: he doesn't have any questions. Zach, you know, you're my boy forever.
1: I tell you, when I, I love Marty, that's, that's all I can tell you. It's like you don't like that. Hey, let, let
3: me tell you a story about Zach. So we're in a hotel room, uh, getting ready to train those those tier one guys, and I <laughs> sleep with white noise on. Oh god! Now, especially in a no hotel, especially in a hotel because people are running down the hallways and all this shit.
1: Sounded but, more and, like a fighter jet. I, I turned that
3: thing it. on, and Zach jumped out of bed
1: like <laughs> it was <and shot>. <laughs> the so funny. He, Jim, I no, know he says uh, he goes alright I sleep with this uh, white noise machine and I remember we had one for my, my daughter maybe my yeah. son when they were big and it was just like shh like that yeah. Jim turns it on and I thought I was standing next to an F-16 yeah. <laughs> I was like holy shit but uh, I, I snore so I said all oh, good dude go ahead and yeah, uh, dude, do what guy. you do that was, fun that was funny <laughs> That was great times man I mean that was great and you know what else was great I, I have to find out When is one of those like little Powerlifting meets Marty that was in that Little gym on a wooden I, I, I can text you I can text uh, you too they have I, them all, I, I thought that was great I, I And Marty was like oh here we are At another boring powerlifting meet And all I was thinking to myself was like I'm having the time Of my life this is amazing <laughs> <It doesn't matter.
2: laughs> Yeah well you know it's like uh, you get, uh, you know, we're we're immune to the world, right? That we live in, right? Yes. We, you know, every people who come in from the outside, they look in and they go, "Oh, this is so exciting and different." And look at this, and and we're like, "Yeah, okay." I
1: I hmm? just feel like I'm amongst, you know, my people because when I grew up in those first few gyms, like I used to do my homework at those gyms. I just felt better in those places and. Marty, I don't even know if I ever asked you. Like, you trained at, you know, you had Fantanas, you had Chalets. Like, what? So, what happened to Chalets Gym? It was sold, it shut they down. All, what? They,
2: all, they all go out of business for lack of money.
1: Because, and then, because our, did, hardcore yeah. guys
2: never have any money, right? They're always behind in their rent, they're always hurting for money. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's. it's Completely impossible to run a commercial hard, or a hardcore franchise, and and the owners are always letting their pals slide, sure, because they don't have the money this month and then next month and and eventually it just catches up and you can't you know they they, they can't make a go of
1: it. Yeah, I think uh, I think my my goal when people are asking me what's my five year plan is I'm like I need a barn with weights in the back. <laughs> That's all I need. Right.
0: Well, that kind of leads into what I want to talk about next. Um, I got a little surprise for you, Zach. Tell me if you recognize this. Watch this. Sorry, right,
1: you Hold want me to turn my camera on, on or? No, no, we don't need your oh, okay.
0: camera on. Hold on one second.
1: Okay. You hear that? Yeah, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Yes. Strap yourselves in, warriors.
0: All right, now the reason I play that right. is, now this is something, a little tidbit that's uh, kind of interesting about you. Now, you actually knew him. You knew Jim Helwig.
1: Yep, we, we did a little work together um, a little bit before he got back into the WWE. What's yeah. interesting is he was he was, a li- he was definitely a lot like us. He was like Marty where he didn't like to be too much around people and um, he, lo- he if any him and I would speak sometimes quite often every other day, every day and he would love to speak about lifting heavy and he always spoke about his wife and kids, how much he loved them and um, he uh, or my brother-in-law had told me that he saw him back in the heyday of WWF, there was a Gold's Gym <coughs> in New Jersey well back then there was a lot of powerhouse and gold's gyms all around and he said that um that ultimate warrior pulled up in a uh limo and uh, he started curling and it was like 135 185 225 275 then he did the same thing on behind the neck presses and um so yeah we the way we connected was he started putting out those youtube videos on like intensity And I was like, oh, my God, I love this. I love this. And I was never a, um, I never grew up watching sports or watching um, wrestling or any of that. But I really connected with this message. So I I sent him uh, a message (laughs) to his website.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute.
3: (laughs) Marty, we're still on. What? <laughs> wow. This is great. This is this, I, I, this is the this is
0: not a podcast. This is a show.
3: Hey, we
0: don't call it raw for nothing.
1: No yeah. doubt. So, um, <laughs> we used to speak every other day, and then <laughs> what? Um, what happened after we started speaking for a while was he came out to New Jersey for some sort of like a wrestling convention, and he spoke there, and it was. You know, I was holding one of my own seminars and, um, he said, Hey Zach, I've got a project in the works and I saw you've got a seminar and if you do this project with me, I'll speak at your seminar. If you let me speak at your seminar, I said, dude, you don't have to ask me. You could speak at my seminar if you want to. And, um, so he was being approached by, um, like net, whatever you call them, networks and stuff, uh, TV producers, to create his own show. So he organized this thing called Warrior University. He gets these guys to apply as to why they want to go through Warrior University, change their life. He's going to train them on the mindset. He wants me to train them on the physical, and we're going to do it at my gym. That was the first gym I had, and this may have been, it was the summer before Hurricane Sandy, so... Maybe was that 2013 or 2012, something like that. So long story short, I mean, it, 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 it really was a, quite a clusterfuck that day. Um, he gets the guys to meet at a hotel who are, like, invited to this. They have to walk, like, six miles to my gym because he wants them on, like, a pilgrimage, right? As they're, as they're walking, the videographer is so fat and obese he like collapses, so somebody else has to take the camera. And now they're like hours late. The walk was starting at five a.m. He he like flips out on his assistant, who's from London. The guys told me that he was yelling so loud they were standing outside. They were like a hundred feet away from him. He was in. The, they said they heard him a mile away. That guy takes off. His assistant takes off. They cut. They finally get to the gym. These guys are dying just from doing, you know, a little bit of the warm up, like walking on partner, walking on their hands, carrying kettlebells. I thought one guy was going to have a heart attack. I was like, oh my god, somebody's going to die, and um, it's just, so it's, people love this part. So we're pulling weights out of the gym, and I'm like, grab these kettlebells, pick them up with a flat back. Ultimate warrior goes, fuck your flat back. <laughs> flips out them.
0: Yeah, that's He's just like, how he was.
1: Oh, my God. And he, and he made them utilize everything in the gym from every chain to every kettlebell to the battle ropes. I mean, they were flipping tires at the end. I thought somebody's spine was going to explode out of their back. Then he had them crawling across the cement on their hands and knees with chains on their necks. <laughs>
0: you know, he was, was just...
1: Such, it was a mess. It he, was a mess.
0: He was just so... That's what I really liked about him. Not to get, get off on <laughs> wrestling and all this, but... Damn. I, I was just... I wanted to bring him up because I, I know that that, uh, that you knew him. And I, I was actually a big fan because he... Now, he was a bodybuilder back in the day. Yes. That's That was his yes. background. Yep. And he, he hits the scene. You know, what was his first name? Um... Uh,
1: Jim oh, uh, it, Luke, it, uh, I know. He. It, it was an Ultimate Warrior. It was, a, there. It was huh? one of Huh? Bodybuilding promoters. Marty would remember the name if I could. Uh, well,
0: He had. Yeah. I don't remember his first wrestling name, but he. I remember seeing him, and it was funny. Oh, Sting. He was with the Sting. He was with the Sting when he started. Yeah, but he him wasn't called. Sting he he wasn't called Ultimate Warrior. That came later. Oh, he was called Dingo Warrior. Oh, Dingo Warrior. Yeah. So, I interviewed him a few times. I tell you, like the
1: i loved the Ultimate Warrior as just like a friend. But when it was this like performing time or working time, it was like he—he he, it was not an alter ego. Like he, you called him Warrior Man. You didn't say, "Hey, Jim." Should you? You, you didn't call, call him, him Warrior Jim. Man. But when. When things started moving, like when it was time for like the physical activity of doing things, fake wrestling, no, the training I'm talking about, like he, it was like, he became another person and it was very difficult to try to like, it wasn't like, Hey, we're in this thing together. It was like, Whoa, man, this shit's getting a little bit crazy. And um, he was what? He was a method actor. He was like in it. He was, and it was not an act. It was, that's like legitimate who he was. And there would be times where he'd call me and say, Zach, he'd leave a voicemail. Hey, Zach, warrior man here. Like, sorry, I, I was off the grid for three days. I took a walk and like, he would tell me that basically like when he lived in Arizona, he had like a million dollar home. He goes, I didn't even sleep in my house. He goes, I slept on the ground and he goes, I would just meditate so intensely that the that the javelinas and the scorpions didn't even come near me. And so when he lived in New Mexico, he was like a bit off the grid, you know, and he would just kind of like take a walk for like three to four days. And you know who it reminded me of Jim, Um, when you interviewed Mike Webster's son and like, um, you know, Mike Webster would just kind of disappear and take a walk. Well, ultimate warrior, he just, he would disappear through the mountains. He also, you know, He was kind of torn. He wanted to share his stuff, but he hated how everybody needed to be helped. He hated it. He felt like, you don't need my help. Like, you need to just fucking pick up weights and do, you know, you need to just do shit. Mm -hmm. And that's why he, when he created that workout program, there was no actual workout in there. There was no bench this day, squat this day. It was he was basically telling people to to work, yeah, and that's what and and so he well, got very frustrated as the world became a place of help me or like I That's that's right, and that's why I'd say he's very. He reminded me a lot about Marty,
3: uh, no, but I think
1: know. that oh, listen, I I think you're <laughs> Marty. Marty is definitely a warrior so I, he was you know he was,
3: he was
1: torn he was torn and I think um, warrior <laughs> my, my, um, my assistant said to me she was helping him with I web stuff she, Ernst, Julius. <laughs> Ernst Julius you know what my assistant said that she felt like he he seemed like a tortured soul and I think the stuff he went through with uh, Vince McMahon with the lawsuits and all that stuff
3: yeah, This guys um, end up really broken it's really sad
1: Right. And I think, you know, we had a conversation once where he was like, Zach, okay, I'm going to (sighs) speak at your seminar. You can announce it. And I said, I don't want to announce it until it's sold out. And he's like, that's fucking right. He's like, you don't need to fucking announce this. And then he's like, he's like, that's how it was when I was in court. I was going to, you know, I was going to fight till the very end against Big Man. And then he wanted to shake my hand at the end. And I wouldn't shake his hand. It was like, he was constantly in this, like, fight, whether it was, like, an inner fight, you know, whatever it was, and I think it exhausted him, and I I tell you,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and it it really affected him, and it was just, honestly, like, the, 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 the times we chatted so much were, like, just, it was such a pleasure, and it was such a, it was refreshing, because I love being around people that are intense that yeah. are
0: passionate Well you want you, you want to see that. some intensity what I and and watch this before you work out just one last thing on him Uh go to YouTube and type in uh, ultimate warrior passion and he's got a video about passion
3: Oh
0: yeah and you've seen that one and, man, that'll and get you fired eyes. up. And he is intense, and he's talking about, yep. you know, training and, you, you know, just passion and intensity in life and all that. So,
1: yep. And um, he was an early guy, you know, when he woke up. Yeah. What time What time does, Marty, what time do you wake up? Four or three? Yeah. Something like that? Yep. That's when he woke up. He would wake up yep. at that time. He'd, he'd tell me he'd have, like, one or two pots of coffee. He said he'd write every morning and read. He would read things like Orson Sweat, Morgan, uh, um, A lot of guys that were into like the success mindset stuff. Then he would write, and then he would lift. Who does that sound like?
0: Did he died. <laughs> Sounds like me. He died, right?
1: He passed yeah, away. He, did. he was like early fifties. Co-
0: yeah, couple was it? couple years oh, two? Oh. Yeah, last year? Uh, no, nah, a couple years
1: ago. ago, ago. Bender Yeah. I'm assuming it was a heart attack.
0: Yeah, he was only, what, 50-something.
1: 52, and um, just heartbreaking, you know. It was heartbreaking.
3: Well, we'll have
2: him.
1: You
2: know, we had, uh, let's see, who do we have? Terry Todd. We've had Hatfield, Terry Todd. Tim Leisner, Hatfield, Jeff Everson, who I liked a lot, and uh, Poliquin.
1: Yeah. So... That shit's kind of... uh, You know what that reminds me of? It's like, uh, you know, I hear you talking how much you work, JP. And it's like, like, what are we going to do? You know, like, it's just... That's the world we're in, and I don't really like that. Like, working and working and, like... You, it's like you don't have time for people. You're on the run around all the time. I just, I don't agree with it. It's I don't tough, like it.
0: man. I don't agree with it either, especially when you got kids. But I'll tell you, it is so right. competitive out there. Yes. It and is. it's what's required anymore to make a, a decent living.
1: And i tell you, that was the big part why I said, you know what, I'm going to get back to teaching because I don't want ever my gym to be in a situation where I'm like, oh, I need to train John Smith here because of, the rent or this or that, I always want to be able to say, nope, you're not in it. You know, strike one, strike two, strike three, or you're not in it. Yeah. So I've made it. I've gotten back to uh, people have to go through an interview process before they even could do a trial.
0: Hey, speaking of uh, your gym, let's, we'll wrap up with this one. But uh, you're doing some good stuff over there, and you just recently hit me up for yes. this of uh, this annual event that you guys put on over there and it's called uh, it's called the Lift Strong Yep uh 2019 for Leukemia Lymphoma, Lymphoma Society and Navy SEAL Foundation
1: Yeah so I started that in 2007 and then after when I first opened the Manasquan gym which was right after Hurricane Sandy I started doing it also for Navy SEAL Foundation because so my my kind of business mentor he's in your area alan cosgrove when he mentored me he was going through stage four leukemia and never said a word about it so he always i was always like i have to pay you for your time and he's like no you have you just got to pay it forward and um so back then we did a like an e-book and then Nobody else did anything. And I was like, I told him, I go, as soon as I open my gym, I'm doing a fundraiser. So I do this fundraiser every year, sometimes twice a year. And then we've had uh, two guys that are uh, former SEALs come through uh, the certification. But also when I was 18, when I went to Israel, I met a a guy who was uh, he was from America, but he went to Israel to try to get into the Israeli SEAL teams. And then he came back to America and became a SEAL there. And uh, it was just like that summer, I trained with him. And he was just like a big brother mentor to me when I had just turned 18. And so I just think when uh, to have the gym, I try to do things that impact not just the community, but, you know, the people that are important to me. And uh, also after 9-11, like living in New Jersey, I could see you know, the cloud of smoke and all that stuff. And my brother was in the Marines at the time and it just changed my whole, um, outlook on the military. And, um, you know, that stuff, that stuff just, you know, means a lot to me. So we do that like a strength challenge fundraiser and it's great. And I get a lot of people to sponsor me and I reached out to you and you're sponsoring us with shirts and belts and, and I'm telling you like, it's like a big, crazy weightlifting party. So it's, it's like, um, I guess like those old strength and health picnics. I always was so, uh, into what they, I felt like the camaraderie of fifties, sixties, and Mm seventies. I could feel it when I read about it and I just wanted to bring it back. And, so now I do it in, in this as a fundraiser.
0: Well, good for you. I, I mean, um, I'm really thankful that you got Iron Company involved, and like you said, we sent you some some stuff. I'm, so
1: I can't wait. People are going to be pumped up for it.
0: Um, what's the date of that? It's July 20th, right?
1: Yep. So it's uh, a week from now, and I've got I do categories for middle school got kids, high school, um, women's open, men's open, and then. We started a Men's Masters, which is age 40 and older, because those guys were always like, I can't compete with the 22-year-olds. But what's interesting is Marty and even some of the guys of today, um, some of the great powerlifters were breaking and setting their world records in their early Hmm. 40s. I heard Marty mentioned his numbers on a previous episode, and uh, I think Marty was like 42 when he was hitting some of these big numbers.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah, after he came world back from champion, his injury.
2: World, IPF World Masters Champion in uh, 92. Uh, bronze and silver. At, uh, let me see. I won in Australia, silver in Montreal, uh, bronze in Slovakia. So, yeah, back in the day. Three different weight classes, too. 98,
1: 220, 242. Uh, and so in your 40s?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah but so I had broke, I had broken my leg at uh, age 33, which really ended my big league career. And uh, so I, ten years later, I came back as a masters lifter, right? But I couldn't go. I couldn't go heavy because I had a plate in my leg. So, you know, well, you know, I still got back up to. I set a national record at uh, 227, 722 squat, age 44. Yeah. Jimmy could do
0: that.
1: Uh, okay. Impressive, my man impressive. That's
0: good So, Zach, you got a few other things going on We talked about your your gyms You got two locations Are they both called Underground Strength Gym?
1: Yep, so we're one in a small beach town Called Manisquan Ooh. And then another one in um, Scotch Plains Which is not too far from Newark Airport That's the North Jersey location
0: Okay, so if somebody's in that area, they can contact you. Oh, yeah. How? Oh, go to your website?
1: Yep, yeah, go to undergroundstrengthgym.com, and you know, it'd be, it'd be, you could see what we do simply by Googling that and going on YouTube. You
0: could see okay. it all. And you've got, uh, you've even got a best selling book. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Mar- Marty really inspired me with that, and um, it's a you know,
1: great read it's well when I read Purposeful Primitive, it had been so long till I had come across a training book that I couldn't put down. You, you could see my review on track, or I think it was like I think I my review was like, Holy shit hmm. <laughs> So I uh wanted to put a book out there and then when I had was writing it I realized oh man, like as, as Jim said, like the information you guys are saying is everywhere. I was like, This can't be another book about squatting with Sandbags and this and that. I had to tell stories, and Marty's Marty's book had so many of those stories. And I wanted, so, you know, a book where you could just open it up, read a story, and just get fired up to train yeah. for like no matter your age. So it yeah, would be good of- for a teenager or good for an adult.
2: And, and it's four
0: hundred pages.
2: You put a lot of
1: photos. Okay. I, I did. I I really exceeded the deadline. That's for sure.
0: Where do you get that on your website? Amazon.
1: They've Drag- got it on Amazon. Amazon. They've got it on Dragon Door. I, sometimes I've seen it on Amazon for something like twelve bucks. So oh my God. Hey, you, don't, you don't. I know. It. I I don't. You know what I do is I I will I'll buy like a hundred copies oh. and I give them to the athletes. But yeah. I never just give them. Like you gotta you gotta yeah. do something in the gym. So you gotta break a record. You gotta do something to earn the book. And uh, look, you know, here's the bottom line that I do know is like when you give people stuff and they didn't earn it or buy it, they don't read it. It collects dust. And so that's a little bit of the heartbreaker is like, you know, Jim, you've mentioned this before that you just couldn't wait to read a book or see that next magazine to find out how your favorite lifter, what he was eating. But now you just look it up and it's right there. And the convenience makes you kind of not respect the information, I've spoken about this with Marty as well, like with seminars and all that stuff is that, you know, <clears throat> the the people that need to know about us probably don't know about us because they're getting, you know, uh, it's not always the best stuff that gets known about. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm putting my head down and doing work and that's that.
0: And then the last thing is uh, you've also got a podcast. You've got uh, the Strong Life podcast, right?
1: Yep, I've had Jim and Marty on it many times. They, they might be the most <laughs> interviewed.
0: Uh, he doesn't want me on there. <laughs> the I'll just talk about at... equipment the whole time.
1: <laughs> well, the, the A, it'll have to be the A-team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what is that? Is that weekly?
1: Uh, most of the time it's weekly, but okay. I'll tell you, when I was teaching, there was times, times when I taught. Sorry guys Got my navigation going There's times where I got away from it a little bit So right now When I've got more of that time You know If I could do two or three episodes a week I'll do it
0: Yeah Well we try to do it every week We're pretty consistent But you know yep. Sometimes life happens And uh, you know right. we'll, we'll miss a week or something But we try to be consistent I'm So Alright guys Well Man I, I appreciate Good you time. being on here Zach You uh, Man you got a lot to say about everything
1: Well I look I know I look forward to the in-person to the in-person time not sure if Marty's looking forward to the in-person time but I am Uh,
0: you're always welcome
1: I love being with you guys Uh,
0: so uh, last thing I want to say is uh, check out Marty's weekly column and podcast Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com and learn techniques and tactics proven to build the strongest and most muscular athletes on the planet also pick up Marty's books, Purposeful Primitive and Strong Medicine at Iron Company. And also if you're in the need uh, for gym equipment, um, flooring, racks, barbells, power bars, bumper plates, anything, check out ironcompany.com. We've got uh, uh, over 8,000 products on there. And then finally, we've got um, new Jim Steele articles. He's putting out uh, articles for us just go to our articles section at the top of the site and click on there and you'll find him search for his articles he's uh in fact we're going to have him on the show's all about him next week talking about the uh the bodybuilding show he just placed first in so we're oh. going to find out we're going to find out all about that and he's just put out a uh an article on it too where he kind of talks about the the prep the show the everything we're going to find out about it
1: i'm looking forward to that
0: and visit his website, BassBarbell.com, for training, motivation, and program. So that's it, guys. That was awesome. I appreciate yes, it.
1: All right. Great thanks. stuff, guys. All right. You, guys. Talk job. to you later. Bye. Talk yeah. to you later, guys. You're the best. Bye.